My name is Ben Almond. I work for a Fortune 250 company with over 50,000 employees. Using the perspective of this background, combined with my own life experiences and a passion for great leadership, I share observations and ideas for you to use on your development journey. This is The View, from where I sit. Hey everybody, Ben here. We're quickly approaching the holiday break, and I'm betting that you're just as ready for 2020 to be over as I am. Other than the end of a calendar year, we've passed the anniversary of the podcast. That's back in November. So not only have you endured a very long time of pandemic, but for some of you, a full year of listening to me. I don't know how you did it. Today's episode is the season finale. I'm going to take us back through the podcast and highlight some of my favorite moments and big takeaways from the past year. Come back in time with me. All of this started with the realization that we were communicating using only one channel, email. I was searching for a way to keep connected with the team that was different, a way that was more convenient and didn't simply create more of a logjam in people's inbox. I started recording about five minutes of summary and cascading messages from our leadership meetings, sharing this internally with the team to listen or read a transcript at their own pace. This was okay, but it was a bit stiff and probably really dry to listen to. Fast forward, and I began working with Adriana, who's the unseen hero of this podcast. She pointed out that we had some really interesting conversations reflecting on things that had happened around the business, and that she felt others might find that interesting. Still on that quest to connect with people, we decided we would start small and simple, picking something that jumped out at me that week and reflecting on it in a more public way. As we weren't sharing anything confidential, it'd be better for accessibility to use a regular podcast platform rather than sharing it only internally. Admittedly, it took us a bit to figure that out, so we uploaded a handful of podcasts all at once the first time last January. Learning along the way, we eventually got some advice to add a common introduction and added a bit of production value with the music. I really enjoy reading and researching, so I began putting some of my spare time into creating a few longer solo episodes, diving into topics on a more reflective basis with an eye to learning from the past. I also had some people share personal stories that I wanted to use as a learning opportunity for us. These were all very fun to do, but in the middle of the year, we couldn't ignore what was happening in the world, and we decided to use the platform to have long-form discussions with people around equality and how each of us can have a sustainable impact. Now, I hope you see what I see. The podcast is a living organism. It'll adapt and change over time as I learn, and our surroundings demand something different or highlight a need. We'll try to keep giving you something different to digest for your own growth and personal development, and we'll keep adapting to our environment to maximize our impact. With that in mind, now's the time we get to hit on some of my favorite things that we covered this year. We've pulled some of the clips that people have enjoyed, and I'll call out episode names and numbers so that if you haven't listened, you can go back and check them out. Starting at the beginning. The backstory into episode one, A Journey into Unconscious Bias, might be fun to share. Around three years ago now, we were going through talent identification and succession planning processes for the team in our America's business. I was having a coffee with a mentor of mine, who was at the time the head of HR for our line of business. I'm not always sensitive about the wheelchair, but the discussions of diversity had put something in my head I just couldn't shake. I asked Catherine, when you're talking about me in these sessions, you don't refer to me as a diverse candidate, do you? Because if you do, stop. I drew a pause for my friend and mentor. 
She took a breath and told me that they had not in fact discussed the wheelchair in that context, but suggested to me that as a visible leader, I needed to consider when I would be willing to stop trying to get people to not see the wheelchair and start speaking up on behalf of those that didn't have the same platform or voice that I had. As someone who had spent over a decade doing everything in my power to ensure that the wheelchair was invisible, I was a bit put off. I was actually offended over the suggestion that what I felt was owning the situation might have been avoiding it altogether. I thought about this a lot, but as often happens to us, when I stopped thinking about it, something hit me. There's nothing negative about the wheelchair. There were other people out there that had their own challenges, maybe even some that weren't visible, and I could help if I was willing to be a little bit more vulnerable. Then it all came together. Go listen to the episode to hear the full story, but I had a really interesting trip through Toronto's Pearson Airport. When I arrived at home, I couldn't sleep that night. In the morning, I sat at my dining room table with my phone, making an audio recording. I told the story through my lens. We had been talking about bias a lot at the time, so I shared the recording internally. I had no idea how relevant the discussion would become over a year later as bias became a linchpin of the conversation around social injustice and inequality. We reshared it, and I listened again. That day was a great example of good intentions that, if delivered poorly, can have a really poor impact that doesn't match what you aimed for. I hope you can listen and reflect on your own experiences on either side of those conversations and consider how it may have felt for the other person. And I doubt she listens, but if you're out there, thank you, Catherine. You opened my eyes to something very valuable, right under my nose. Skipping ahead, my dog Kona was going through some health issues. Suddenly she went blind. She adapted so well to this major change that I felt like we could learn from her. In episode 24, Lessons from a Blind Dog, we went through a number of things that Kona had to offer. But I think if we all paid attention to the idea that we are more capable of dealing with adversity than we even give ourselves credit for, perhaps this year would feel a little less overwhelming. 2020 has challenged us in a lot of ways. If we've gotten to practice anything this year, it's been managing through change. This is a topic that I've had an abnormal amount of experience with even before this year's roller coaster. In episode 31, Change Machine, we talked about the connection between creating an inclusive environment as a leader and being able to manage through the unknown. As you go through change, you need to be gathering different inputs, different types of experience and expertise. Don't be intimidated by it. Embrace it. Work to ensure that everyone feels like they can contribute, and they don't need to be on top. There is no top. We're all equal. Above all, be willing to accept that you aren't an expert. You won't regret it. The effort will be good for the team as they deal with the uncertainty of change surrounded by people who can shed light from many angles. And it will be good for you as you have a great sounding board. And in the end, you won't miss the chance to become Netflix because someone will see those changes coming and the team will listen and act. I don't know about you, but I feel like we've had less and less information available to us these days, even with social media, the internet, and instantaneous access to input. We need to find ways to take the uncertainty on, and when the worst things happen, turn those into success. In episode 27, Don't Call It a Comeback, I shared a tip on how you can keep your momentum going in times when you're surrounded by uncertainty. In times when things feel like they have gone completely sideways, or badly, you can be surrounded by unknowns. There's a real potential that we become stalled or frozen as a lack of information with which to make decisions. 
This can be a real trap for some of us, especially those that are more analytical in nature. The stall is dangerous, as you can lose that momentum towards your goals and the future, which we want to be bright. So once you come to a halt, looking for more information or waiting for things to develop, it's much easier to become overwhelmed and to lose focus on the things that we've talked about so far. The best antidote for being overwhelmed is momentum. This means we need to have a tactic that keeps us moving with little available information and no long-term view into the future. How do we do that? The best approach that I've heard is to make a small decision, the smallest decision possible at the time that allows you to keep moving forward and consistently check in on how things are going and make the next small decision, rinse and repeat. So you can move forward, see how things are working out and move forward again. Keeping in mind, sometimes you may need to change course. This looks a lot more like a small course correction than a major shift in direction as the decisions and actions are far less drastic. Taking advantage of the information that is available, inferring some direction from the overall situation, make calls that move you forward. Learn as you go from the good or the bad. At this point, we thought the pandemic would be only a few months long. We'd be back to our old ways really quickly. Boy, did we get that wrong. I hope you've all been taking baby steps and adjusting to the environment around you. Looking back on the year, we had some great leaders on from around the world. Each one of them sharing with us their story, some advice on how we could grow as leaders, and everybody could have a takeaway that was a little bit different from each one of those conversations. So if you've got some time on your hands, a big drive, or just some time to kill through the holiday season, go back and listen to some of those. and Let me know what you take away. In particular, I want to drag you towards Kate Kenny, the last episode we published. She and I explored leadership from many angles. I think it'd be really exciting to look back at that, think a little bit about the type of leader you are, how you're growing as a leader, and the leaders that you choose to surround yourself with. As we pivoted into taking on social justice and inequality, I started things off by sharing a few stories that had been shared with me. In episode 33, Learning Through Stories, we tried to analyze the encounters of some of our co-workers and how they could have been handled differently to everyone's benefit. One impactful portion of the stories is Mark's experience with code switching and trying to be someone else in his work environment. Take a moment to consider the cumulative impact of each of the interactions on Mark. Over time, he's created a work self, maybe even an out-in-public self, that is serious, well-dressed, and professional but that is only a fraction of who he actually is as a leader and as a person. They call this identity covering or code switching. Environments that provide these persistent inputs force people into feeling that they need to be something different in order to survive, never mind thrive. Are there things that you can do to raise your awareness in these situations? Could Mark's leaders have engaged him openly, asking about his life, his family, the things that make him smile? Could they have made it exciting to share his real self in the office? I think they could have, and they would have had a spectacular result. As I recounted this story, it hit me that while I grew up in a household where my parents imprinted on me that we're all just people and not seeing color was good, I was missing something. Well, more than one thing. First, there's value in seeing our differences, and huge value in embracing those differences. Bringing different life experiences to the table and valuing them will allow us to get to better decisions, better actions, and better knowledge levels without having lived through it all ourselves. As with many things we've talked about this year, this relies heavily on creating an inclusive and trusting environment for people to be themselves. 
And that's far easier said than done. The other thing that started to stand out for me at this point is that there's a distinct difference between not being a racist and being actively anti-racist. My interpretation here is that while I don't think I'm a racist, I also wasn't doing everything that I could to impact bad behaviors around me. Would I have intervened if I'd been there in the stories that I shared? Was I putting out the energy to address off-color remarks every time? Was I seeking out inequality in process or decision-making to fix those situations? Was I even seeing some of the inequality in the organization I was leading? I'll say that while I try every day, my version of what good looks like has changed. I've become more and more aware of what others are experiencing. I share this now as it ties well with this episode, but this realization has grown as I've heard from people with different life experiences throughout the year. In episode 34, Sharon Jean-Baptiste challenged us all to, now that you know better, do better. That theme has taken over much of my personal experience through the year. Learning and improving. Learning and improving. Remember the small decisions tactic? We can use it in learning and adapting as well. I've known Sharon for some time and hadn't really reflected on how different our career experiences likely were. Not that we worked in different industries or parts of the continent, but more along the lines of, I'm a white guy, and she's a black woman. We could have had the exact same resume with 100% different experiences. I mean, the environment may have looked the same on the surface, but as you get below that surface, her experiences were layered with things that I hadn't had to deal with. After talking with people all year, I've come to think of privilege or lack thereof like friction, which of course is all relative. In this case, My career, and frankly my life, have been like the freshly cleaned ice at the start of an NHL game. Maybe a few ruts formed through a period of play, which caused some minor bumps. But compare this to people that I know who've dealt with skating on a surface more like asphalt than the clean ice I was encountering. What an eye-opener. Not just from Sharon, but in successive discussions I learned more and more about that which I had no clue. Thinking about white privilege, we need to remember that the term doesn't mean that you've done something wrong or that you haven't had a difficult ride. It just means that you haven't had a harder time as a result of the color of your skin. I think you can take this one step further into systemic bias as well. Many of us are blind to this, and it's really difficult to see as it requires more of a look towards the root cause than getting hung up on the symptoms. This is actually something I think we should all try to improve on. Being able to get past that surface level of the symptom and start to focus on the root causes. You may be surrounded by systemic racism or systemic bias and not even know it. But think of it this way, as anything built into processes or systems that perpetuates that momentum. Does your organization have job descriptions that make it harder for certain groups of people to access those roles? Do you have a means to eliminate unconscious bias from the equation? Be it gender or race, there are studies that have proven that just including the name of the candidate during a selection process creates a bias towards white male names. And not a small bias. Candidates have double the chances of being selected for interview with the same CV, but a different name. We all have bias, and that's okay. It's based on our life experiences. We need to be better at acknowledging it. We need to be willing to take action to offset that bias. Otherwise, we'll be looking back and will have made no impact whatsoever. 
With all of this fresh in my mind, in episode 36, I had the chance to have my friend Ron Williams on the podcast. Ron's biracial, and his experiences were eye-opening. He shared some absolutely stunning life experience with people making assumptions about his background, which left me looking for his advice on how to handle those scenarios. I would say, Ben, that I, I wish I had some magic antidote that I could apply and, and, and say that are the thing we can do in those moments. I, I don't really have a lot of insight into that. I think what I've done is live through those moments. And my response is, you know, a lot of times, particularly when I was younger, was to get really angry really quickly and to kind of shut down and just disengage. And, you know, I've had to learn and, and kind of get myself to the point, well, that doesn't really do any good. You need to engage and challenge in a different way. And so, you know, I guess one technique I've tried to adopt or come up with and utilize in these kinds of situations is my nature is generally I'm a positive guy. And I constantly then try and think of a counter argument related to some point around you know positivity i've recognized a lot of times you can't change people's mind but you can certainly inform them about different things and give them a different point of view and that's usually what i try and do now is uh, if somebody makes a comment that i feel is ill-informed or inappropriate i let them know that in a you know in a polite way i'm not trying to be aggressive or you know but i try and do it in a way that that makes them clear that I, I don't tolerate or accept that kind of language, but then informs them about something that perhaps they may not know about so that they can think about that later. That's usually the technique I, I try and apply them. I absolutely love how Ron focused on the positive, attempting to educate and influence behaviors. Doing the best with what he had was great advice on how to handle these situations. How many times have you made assumptions about someone based on how they look? where they came from, an accent. Just a hint, you'll always be wrong with these assumptions. You're so much better off to take the time to ask and genuinely listen to what they have to say. You just might learn something, as we've been learning all year long. Later in the summer, we were hearing comments like All Lives Matter in response to the Black Lives Matter movement. I've heard a few takes on this, one of which being Emmanuel Acho saying, there was a time when black lives literally did not matter, making this statement a change to that path that we'd been on. One of our guests did a good job of sharing how he clarified it in his own mind, and for others. Tom Price shared this analogy on episode 37. If you'll bear with me, I, I'll share a, a story I've used a few times. Again, I'm no expert, but it's part of my my journey and my learning and how I try and share that with other folks in some of these discussions. The Black Lives Matter movement is very meaningful and impactful, and it has frustrated me to no end when the response has been, all lives matter, or don't all lives matter. What I've tried to communicate, then again, I'm no expert, but Black Lives Matter doesn't say only Black Lives Matter. It really means Black Lives Matter too. And that hasn't always been represented like it should be. Um, and I've asked folks a question. I've said, if one of your colleagues' house was on fire, would you do something to help? Whether you 
go try to put it out, call emergency services, whatever it is, would you do something to help? And I asked them just to think about that while I, I tell a story. I asked folks to, to picture a neighborhood with a lot of valuable homes. There's a white house, a black house, a brown house, a red house, yellow, etc. right? All these homes are nice, they're valuable, they're all owned by folks that weren't the original owners. They've been passed down through generations. And while each house is valuable, each house is in some state of disrepair. One home might need a new roof. Another might have some plumbing issues. Another might have some dry rot, etc. So why they're nice, valuable homes, they could all use a little work, okay? Problem is right now, the black house is on fire. And when I hear folks respond that don't all lives matter, I picture the person who's in that neighborhood standing on their front lawn, watching this house be on fire and saying, what about my roof, right? This issue with black Americans and probably broader than the US right now is very significant and we need to do something about it. And it doesn't mean the rest of the people on this planet aren't important or valuable, but like I said, a house is on fire right now and that puts all the other stuff to the side for, for the time being. And I think, you know, if I, if I continue on that analogy, there's another piece of this that I think is important to think about and it probably applies to me. In that same neighborhood, if you go down the street and around the corner, there's a little bit of a gated community. And again, valuable homes passed down through generations. And there's these giant trees that are around this gated community. So you really can't see outside. And within this gated community are all the amenities. So folks don't leave that gated community very often and they can't see that black house from where they're at. So a lot of this discussion and dialogue for me is taking people like me that probably live in one of those houses where you can't even see that fire and have maybe assumed to some degree that, that there is no fire because I don't see it, to get up, leave that gated community and drive around the neighborhood and see what's going on because there's a lot going on that we can help with. So I, you know, I share that story, Ben. It's really a story of maybe my learning on the journey and I've not arrived, that's for sure but I share it with other folks to try and help them on their own journey in this, this really trying time that, that requires action. Of course, it's natural for you to think, what about me? But the next time that starts across your mind, remember, this is about you too. But if we're going to save the neighborhood, we need to put out the raging fire down the block first. Tom's analogy also points out that just because we can't see something directly doesn't mean that it isn't happening or it isn't real. Remember what I said about privilege and the recognition I had around things happening right under my nose that I probably wouldn't be proud of? All of the great inputs I've got this year have allowed me to see things that I was otherwise blind to. I think one of the big lessons that I've locked in this year is we need to be seeking inputs and feedback from places we don't normally hear from. We need to learn to be willing to take what someone shares their feeling at face value. You can't argue that they shouldn't feel that way. Feeling isn't based in a mathematical equation. Feelings aren't debatable. If we turn our gaze to the things that lead to someone feeling that way and work our way upstream to get back to that root cause, we can keep pushing upstream. We may be able to address the real issues. Speaking of listening, 
Cadis Watson had such an incredible story, I'd be crazy not to suggest that you listen to the entirety of episode 42. Hear how he came to the U.S. and ran straight through barriers in his own growth. Cadis has demonstrated that one person can make a big difference. Focusing first on the things closest to you, your behavior, then take stock and grow that sphere of influence, leading by example. You never know. You might impact your whole community, your whole company, or, who knows, wherever your imagination can take you. Self-reflection might be one of the most important skills that we all have, and guess what? We can all get better at it. I've been practicing this year with so many people sharing their insights and experiences, and as a leader, I'm growing every day. I think this is good. Our personal growth is never done, and one of the bright lights this year has been an opportunity to accelerate this growth. When I look back, I've learned many lessons from those on the podcast and from all of you. I've always believed that people need to come first, and I thought I was doing a good job of this. My eyes have been opened this year to the fact that what I was doing isn't enough. I can do more for the team. I can get past the surface and be more aware of the built-in challenges that people are facing. I can actually have an impact on those challenges if I listen to a broad range of inputs, observe carefully, and I'm brave enough to use my sphere of influence to make change. The change can start with me. The change can also start with you. If we pull together to look after each other and the people around us, we'll make an impact. Start with you, and our collective effort will translate into a bigger change than you could ever imagine. This won't be easy. It'll be tiring. It'll be hard. It will be resisted. But take ownership and lean into leading the way. As I said in Kona's episode, you can do more than you think. You are more capable of handling difficult things than you give yourself credit for. You will never know how strong you can be until you are tested. Well, I hope that most of us never endure the kinds of tests that bring out the true inner strength of character. You should know that it is there. Don't fear the challenges and the setbacks. You'll be okay. In fact, in my experience, you'll come out better, faster, stronger. So when faced by something that feels too big to take on, take a breath and move forward. Always move forward one step at a time, while being true to your beliefs. It will work out in the end, and if it hasn't worked out yet, you haven't reached the end, so keep moving. What a year. We're going to take a break over the holidays, but we have some really cool things coming in the new year. Take some time, do your own self-reflection, consider how you've grown. How could you continue to grow? What have you learned in 2020, and how will you use that to make an impact in 2021? I can't wait to see what you do. This is the view from where I sit. <laughs>